The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... everyone and welcome to the sunny in phoenix podcast a monthly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything phoenix suns basketball my name is charlie erling and as always i'm joined by mitch krumpetich howdy and hopefully not monthly for that much longer but no <laughs> who knows you know what we still have some bruises from last year and we were talking about this before the before we started recording but the the spanking we got from the Mavericks still lives in our in our souls a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be different once the season starts, but between that and having an infant at home, it makes yeah, it makes the podcast a little bit of a different feel. But yeah, once the season starts, I know things will be exciting again, and um, we'll get back into the groove of things. And I'm not here trying to make excuses or anything, but the the Kevin Durant saga, which we'll finally put an end to here soon, uh, that that weighed on me as well. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty tough. I mean, I agree. the levels of hype that most of us had very early on was a lot. And then it drug on and on and on and then just got stamped closed recently, so... Yeah, that wasn't fun. We were all waiting around for the big news, and it just never came. Yeah, but whatever. That's the way it goes. That's the NBA for you. That's right. It's basically reality TV at this point. Yep, soap opera for for bros is what I've heard it called before. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, this episode we'll talk about Dario Saric playing at Eurobasket with Croatia. After that, we'll touch on the end of the KD saga. And then to wrap things up, we'll talk about what the roster is going to be looking at heading into training camp. We'll project what our starting five will maybe be, and then talk about our bench depth as well. Uh, no shout-outs for this week necessarily. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Um, I have Twitter installed as of right now. <laughs> I don't know how long that's going to last. I really still – I just had it on to get – uh, notifications for free agent signings, and I said until I'll keep it until the KD stuff is figured out. But uh, I still have it. I look at it once in a while. So if you tweet at us, I'll probably say hi. But yeah, um, my suggestion, as always, is get off of Twitter. Uh, enjoy life. 
Oh, come on, Mitch. When you got that <laughs> notification for Josh Okogi signing with the Phoenix Suns, you got, <laughs> oh, yeah. you got pretty hyped. Yeah, I was but, excited. I mean, I, I was excited because I thought things were happening with the KD potential trade. I'm like, oh, okay, we're we're making this move and we're doing this, and okay, we're, you know, we're not going to re-sign Javale because he's going to want too much money, and we won't be able to bring KD. You know, I was getting excited for things like that, but oh, one thousand percent. When I saw the Lee and Okogi signings, I was like, there's our, there's the end of the bench right there. There right. that we're filling our roster with veterans who, you know, in a pinch we can throw them in there. Similar to like when we were really excited about Langston Galloway and Etwan Moore. <laughs> that exact same <laughs> thing earlier. Uh, similar vibes there. Hopefully those guys stick around a little longer. Uh, Etwan played last year, I think, but oh. I don't know about Langston. I think Langston might be might be chilling nowadays. But yeah. anyways, let's get into Dario Saric playing some Eurobasket. So first take is nice to see him out there playing full games. Uh just coming off that knee injury in the finals a couple seasons ago, we've been waiting for waiting to see him play, and he looks like he's he's back. Uh, I won't say that it's 100% Dario Saric though. It's uh, it seems like he has a little ways to go before he's ready to play a full NBA season. Yeah, we know that the the European style is a little bit different too. I'm just happy to see him on the court because that injury was so devastating and he doesn't have to be a hundred percent right now. We'll have training camp and a couple preseason games. I think we'll be able to ease him in. Yeah, I think so too. And we all know as Suns fans that we're not relying on Dario's athleticism to uh, make him a good player in our rotation. It's all about the basketball IQ, the passing even. I'm that that's what stuck out to me from the limited minutes I did watch Dario play over at Eurobasket, but some really smooth passing is going on and that's what we like about him. That's what, you know, Monty called him the connector. I think I've said that a thousand times on this <laughs> podcast, but it just makes so much sense. Yeah. And I'm thinking about his most recent game at time of recording where he had I mean, on defense, it wasn't very good, but we don't need to worry about that. He had 12 <laughs> points and nine rebounds and six assists. And those six assists are what stand out to me because I think about a backup center that can get five or six assists, maybe not average five or six, but have that many assists on a somewhat routine basis. Uh, that's really nice because we didn't get that at all from JaVale last year. Aiton's not a big assist guy and he doesn't need to be. Um, but yeah, it's the six assists in an NBA game from a backup center is going to go a very long way. Oh yeah. The, just the flow of the game that you can allow Dario to come into as that center. I mean, it, it makes, it gives the other team a lot of problems obviously, because you have to be aware of all of his skills. I mean, he can, he can score down at the bucket a little bit. Obviously he can stretch it out for being a, a big but then, man, I'm just so impressed with the way he moves the ball. And that is something that we were missing last year. Like, he brought up JaVale. JaVale wasn't moving the ball around. If no. the ball came into JaVale, that's where the possession was going to end. And I'm not going to talk smack. He had some brilliant finishes from uh, yeah, some post-touches last year. He did. And we, we will miss JaVale, that's for sure. We'll oh, get more into sure. that 
a little later when we talk about how we project the starting five and the bench to look. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Dario is healthy enough to be playing basketball. He has a position on our son's roster that, uh, that that's a role that we're going to need to be successful to be a successful team. And I, I think Dario kind of pulling that bench unit together from the center position of all places will have its uh, positive effects throughout the year. Yeah, I think so too. I'll always root for Dario. I really love Dario Sarch. Um, so yeah, very happy that he's back playing competitive basketball. Absolutely. Okay. So we'll just briefly touch on this. Uh, the Kevin Durant saga has come to a close. It sounds like he's staying with the Nets and they're going to see how that works. But obviously we'll be counting the days down to the trade deadline to see what's really going to happen. That's a, you know, a few months out yet still, but yeah, yeah. it's in the back of Suns fans minds. You know it. Oh yeah. Nothing is fully certain, but I just go back to the fact that we really don't know. We can hear rumor after rumor after rumor, but until it actually happens, until the papers are signed, nothing's official. So I think, and I even did this, we got ahead of ourselves a little bit. I mean, I was thinking, oh, oh wow, yeah, okay, we're, you know, what's our starting five going to be? Chris Paul and Devin Booker and KD and DeAndre Ayton and whoever you want at the, Whoever's the left. other yeah. starting spot, you know? You know, fantasizing about that a little bit, getting excited, seeing a lot of things about, oh, the Suns are KD's preferred trade destination. But until it's actually official, it's I don't think it does any good to to fantasize that much. And I, I know I was a little disappointed when this news came out. And I had to remind myself, he never played for the Suns. <laughs> Who knows how real any of that actually was. I've seen a lot of stuff lately that says... The Suns and the Nets were really never that close to a deal. The Nets never really entertained what the Suns offered. But, you know, we had Brian Windhorst and all those guys going on ESPN. And we've got the meme, the Windhorst meme of what about the Suns now, which is great. It's it's fun to be part of a meme like that. But, yeah, I mean, it was disappointing. But I think a lot of us put put the cart before the horse there. Oh, yeah. And then that really got confirmed with the recent James Jones interview where he said that the talks never were really serious and there were right. hardly any. Yeah. So exactly. sounds like there were feelers put out. The Nets probably stated what their interest was in a return. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was it, because from what you've heard that they have turned down, I don't know what the Suns can match to uh, make right. us an interesting target for them. So Exactly. Yeah. I, and, uh, a lot of people, too, talked about the Rudy Gobert trade kind of setting up a little bit of a precedent that hurt us in the end. Um, like, you know, it was there was such a huge return for Gobert, and uh, <laughs> it's Kevin Durant. I mean, he's going to look at that and say, well, I'm way better than Rudy Gobert. So I, I need to get, you know, there needs to be a lot that goes through this. And, and the Nets are going to say, well, Gobert netted this and all these picks and everything. And, yeah, the Suns just can't. I don't know that any team can really give enough after that precedent was set. No, it's it's crazy if you think about it, because that's literally 
like all they could have possibly given up outside of Cat and Anthony Edwards. Yeah. You know, basically. like they, they did as much as they possibly could without with I guess keeping the ability to be competitive next year. And yeah. we'll see about that because I'm still not buying that Gobert and Cat are the one two pair that are gonna change no, the Western I, Conference. I don't think so either. <laughs> Oh, that that's such a weird move. And I do wonder how much that, you know, war on everyone else trying to get KD. But, man, yeah, I, I guess you can complain about what the Jazz did. So, yeah. Yeah, the Jazz are going to be a weird team next year. Yeah, they are. They, they definitely will be. And I don't I have this weird feeling that they're still going to be like decent I don't think they're going to make yeah. the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be a crap show like the Rockets were. Or, you know, no. I don't think it's going to be that bad. We'll see, though. I could very well be wrong. I agree, though. I mean, they they could still be decent. They could be like a almost like an OKC with Chris Paul type team. They don't have a Chris Paul there necessarily, but just like a super overachieving team. Yeah, Mike Conley. <laughs> uh, I feel for him. Yeah, he's just declined so much. Yeah, that's too bad. All right, so Kevin Durant, we're we'll be done talking about that, and at least until the trade deadline get comes yeah. a little closer. So uh, I'm glad to end that. Honestly, let's talk a little bit about what we project the Suns lineup to be looking like next year. And I th- think the easiest place to start is with uh, the power forward position, obviously. The, the duel between Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder. And we'll top it off with saying that Jay Crowder is obviously having some problems this offseason. Uh, deleted all the Sun stuff off of his social media. I think he's deleted social media once or twice. Mm. I I don't know. It seems like he's pretty unhappy. He, he liked a, a tweet about him and going back to Miami or something like that. So it just seems like something... Jay Crowder has been wronged in some way, and I wonder if that was just him being told that Cam's going to be starting over him. That's exactly what I was about to say. And Jay Crowder is the kind of guy who would take that the wrong way. You know, he's... Yeah. And and no, no offense to him. More power to him. I think his attitude has gotten him a very long way, but he's got the mentality of me against the world, and I'm going to prove everyone wrong, and... That kind of thing, you know, and so I could see him feeling slighted when when he's told, you know, be prepared to come off the bench and Cam is is going to take that starting spot. I could see that being very upsetting to him, knowing that he could go somewhere and start still. Um, But, yeah, I mean, last season just was not not the typical Jay Crowder season that we've seen. So. I agree with that. And, you know, looking around the league saying that he can be a starter and like how many places would trade for Jay Crowder saying you're going to be our starting power forward, Jay. I, I don't know well, how many how many competitive teams would be into that uh, right. off the top of my head. That's Maybe true. there's a couple. But I mean, if he wants to go somewhere to, you know, if the starting the if getting your name announced before the game is what it's all about. I don't know. I it just seems weak. It, I think, though, to see what happened with JaVale, for JaVale to say, I want to be a starting center and then go sign with the Mavs 
and they i mean they haven't necessarily announced this but like there's potential that he could start for the maps right. i don't think he'd be very smart but the potential's there and i think someone like crowder seeing that like well if javel can do it i can see him kind of taking that the wrong way so yeah yeah, but there's it's such a different situation, and I agree with it what is. you're saying. But it like, is. JaVale's seven one and owns the paint. Jay, you're six six and a streaky shooter with a declining defense. So, yeah, maybe Jay could go find a starting spot somewhere. But at this point, well, let's move it over and talk about Cam Johnson because we all love yeah. Cam Johnson. I I feel like he deserves this spot. Probably deserved it last year. We remember games where he was put into the starting lineup where he had just excellent games. Yeah, I think we, we've been uh, leaving some meat on the bone by keeping Johnson to a, a bench role, but maybe this is the year where we can see him kind of step up a little bit. Uh, I agree, yeah. So much more potential for him to do it than Jay. I, and I think a lot of the things that we've criticized him for, he has improved upon. He His shooting is lights out. Uh, he's gotten bigger and stronger. His rebounding has gotten better. His defense has gotten better. I mean, he's still not, he's not like an elite defender or rebounder or anything like that. But, you know, we've talked about he needs to be more aggressive on the boards. He's done a lot of this stuff. So I do think we have to start him. I think so, too. And the only thing I see negative about Cam Johnson lately when I've seen people talking about Cam Johnson was how he got torched by Luca in the playoffs. So did everybody else. Everyone, yeah. Luca was amazing in the playoffs. No one yeah. can deny that. So, yeah, maybe he can't go one-on-one against Luca, but I don't need my power forward to do that too exactly. often. Exactly. A few times a year, but even then, there's Mikhail there, there's team defense I, right. And Luca's really good. Don't don't get me wrong. No one's gonna stop Luca. So right. So yeah, I, that's. I don't think that's a fair criticism for Cam Johnson. And it's his time. He's ready. He's. Uh, I'm excited too. He's been healthy for the most part and ready to step into that role. Yeah, and I'm not trying to shortchange Jay either. I mean, yeah, I call him a inconsistent shooter and maybe declining in some ways but when jay crowder was on and the suns were on it it looked like a match made in heaven oh yeah you know there's those times where jay looks like he's the perfect fit but then there's others where we pull our hair out it's similar like that with every single player though but jay crowder is the one making a fuss right now so that's why we're talking about it right and we talked last season about how the Suns live or die by Jay Crowder, basically. If he's on, we're unstoppable. But when he struggles, there's a it's a pretty big hole there. Right. Yeah. And if you want to think about it, take half of Crowder's three-point attempts and give them to Cam Johnson this year and yeah. see how the averages weigh out. I, I bet we'd be way more happy with Cam getting the amount of shots oh, that yeah. he would be in this situation. Totally. So, yeah, and... Crowder, like, we're talking about a team with championship aspirations. Jay Crowder coming off the bench is great. Oh, that's, I was, yeah, that's amazing. I would love to have him come off the bench. If, and if anyone can do this, it's Monty and James Jones to convince him to embrace that role and come off the bench. That would be great. He would be 
just a really nice, you know, sixth man, get the get a little bit of scoring going, get the bench unit to heat up a little bit. I think that'd be great. Yeah, and you say, Jay, if you think you're better than Cam and you should be starting, uh, Cam was up there for sixth man of the year last year, which right. means that you should absolutely win it, right? Totally, totally. Let's do it. All right, moving along. Uh, back to Dario and the backup center position. Obviously, we talked about losing JaVale, and we have three guys who could technically fill this role as of now, and it's Dario, Bismack Biombo, and Jock Landale, the new addition. Oh. So yeah. who do you see being our first center off the bench? Do you see Busy falling back into that third center role like we were used to last year with Dario taking all of JaVale's minutes? Or how do you see it going down? Well, I think... <laughs> I think that is probably ideal. I don't necessarily think that's how it's going to happen initially. My guess is Biombo's probably going to be the backup center until Dario is back to full form. And maybe he'll be back to full form by the start of the season. But, I mean, that's a month away now. And we see how Dario looks in Eurobasket. So I think eventually it would be nice to have Dario be the the first center off the bench. But I think we might start with Biombo, uh, then Dario, um, and then switch that eventually. And then Landale, I mean, hopefully he doesn't have to play a ton. Right, yeah. I'm I'm in that same boat. And my biggest thing is I didn't like how we got bullied as a team over the last two years. And JaVale did solve some of that, where we could throw in a big backup center and – you know, he could fend for himself down there. And I'm not throwing shots at guys like Baines or whoever from, like, the bubble years. But right. uh, having having a big boy like JaVale down there was nice. It was. And now we're talking about Dario potentially taking that role, and that's not what Dario is. He's not a no. rim protector. He's not a strong rebounder. And that's what Busy is, though. So it's nice that we have these two different options but with a limited amount of minutes following up uh, Aiton, obviously. There's only going to be right. 18 minutes at the absolute max that those guys would play. So I don't know. Is it going to be backup center by committee this year, maybe? It I'm, might. I don't know. I mean, uh, how great would it be if Biombo was just like two inches taller and 15 pounds heavier? Oh, he'd <laughs> that be an would all-star be so if that were the yeah, case. Would, that's true. <laughs> Uh, no, I I agree though. Like knowing that Bi- is busy six eight. Yeah, six eight, I believe. Uh, that's crazy. The way he uh, can go up and power dunk off a quick rebound and stuff like that. Uh, Just seeing him be able to do that, and then you wonder why bigger guys can't do anything close to that. Like Dario's got a couple inches on Busy. There's no way in on earth that we'd see something like that from Dario, right. and then. I mean, even an average backup center in the league. Like, think about a guy like Alex Len. He doesn't do things like that. It's crazy how yeah. busy can can uh, finish at the rim and get up so quick. But That's I true. think I think he has a role in this in this team because we we need those fighters. We need those dogs. We we need that. We and do. I think I think uh, busy is the one who can replace Javale the best in that sense. So situationally, I, I do see Busy getting plenty of minutes over the year. Yep, 
I agree with that. Okay, so that that will be interesting and probably the biggest question mark is, uh, yeah, you wonder who's going to start at power forward than who our backup center is. Otherwise, it seems like the lineup's pretty pretty well padded out. But then yeah. we have our new guys, Josh Okogie and Damian Lee, a couple of veteran guys who have been around the league for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, do you see them challenging Shamit or even Payne to get some guard minutes at some points? Yeah. I mean, both of those guys were really bad last year. (laughs) So I think the competition is going to be, I mean, it's going to be just that, a competition. Now, I mean, Okogi and Lee aren't names that jump off the page, but we know that Monty is going to have to go with whoever performs the best. Well, hopefully. I mean, he played Payne and Shamit a lot more than I think everyone would have liked last year, but... I mean, we really, I hope that it's a fair, a fair competition because yeah, I mean, Shamit and Payne are both on the hot seat. I mean, they both were not very good last year. Right. And I should rephrase that a bit. Okogi's not much of a guard. I'd consider him more of like a three or undersized four. Yeah. But Damian Lee, I mean, he's been, he has championship caliber. He's been with the Warriors. He knows what it's all about. I just... I see Shamit over Lee, and I'm—I don't know if I'm banking on this or just really hopeful for it. I feel like Shamit's gonna just be better this year. Although he wasn't terrible yeah. last year, he wasn't terrible. But I mean, we yeah. are—we are paying him plenty of money. I hope his numbers show that a little bit better. I was kind of thinking about that too—that really for both those guys, there's not anywhere to go but up. And, I mean, I guess I don't know how true that is because campaign was to the point where he was playing overseas. Uh, so he can go further down. Sure. Um, but I, I do – I want to be hopeful about this. I, I do think that they can improve, both both Shamit, especially Shamit. I mean, we know Shamit can be much better. Payne is a little bit more of a question mark. Wasn't more he had one good season and that's that. Or, or is it okay? He can return to form a little bit more. I don't know. I mean, yep. this is going to be a pretty defining season for him. I think definitely. And the fact that our roster only has well two active point guards in Chris Paul and Cameron Payne, but we did add Dwayne Washington Jr. to a two-way spot. He played with the Pacers last year, and uh, he's kind of a scoring point guard. Would be the best way to really quickly sum him up. So that's one guy you got to look at. Uh, did get pro minutes last year, although for the Pacers who weren't trying to win games too hard. Right. But uh, this is a, you know, technically our third string point guard. And do you see any way that a guy like this jumps campaign in the rotation? I really hope not. Um, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're more likely to make a move or sign a free agent or something if campaign is really struggling that much. Um, I think one concern I have is that, and who knows, this probably won't happen, but Chris Paul needs to rest throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, we know that he cannot be playing every single game because he just breaks down in the playoffs. We've seen it two years in a row now. Um but 
we also, you know, we want to have a nice seed in the playoffs. I don't want to be in the eight, seven, eight range or anything like that. So, you know, I worry what's going to happen in potential games where campaign has to start. And then we have Dwayne Washington Jr. as the backup. Sure, we're probably going to see Booker in the point guard role a little bit in situations like that. But yeah, I mean, this might all just be purely hypothetical because we know Chris Paul probably wants to play every game. But <sighs> I mean, we're I'm at the point where if that happens, if we keep doing what we're doing, we're not going to win. If we want to win, Chris Paul needs to be able to rest and be fresh for the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, pick out 20 games for Chris to sit yeah. out of our 82. Yes. Something mm-hmm. like that. 15 even. You know, uh, switch the like as many games as a team averages in the playoffs or whatever. Take those out of the regular season for Chris. Just get him out of there. And then... Yeah. You know, in the end of the playoffs, if you make a deep championship run, his total games played are closer to 82 than 102. You know, exactly. exactly. I think that would be ideal, but Chris Paul probably doesn't want to do that from all reports and yeah, we know he evidence. Right. Uh, and but here's there, another but, thing. Yeah, yeah. There's still a point guard that a lot of people have been talking about. Why isn't he on a roster yet? We're getting close to training camp. We have an open roster spot. Is Dennis Schroeder the answer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, better than Dwayne Washington Jr. I think so, too. And when you have a nearly 40-year-old point guard, you should have two backups for him. I yes. mean, it's, it's not unheard of. We have an, If the spot's open, I mean, give Dennis Schroeder a couple million bucks and say, all right, come prove yourself. Come play with Chris yeah. again. That seemed to work out exactly. right in the past. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an interesting idea. I was thinking about this, too. As It, it won't be this coming season for sure, but the next one potentially. And who knows where Chris Paul will be at that point. But with the, the new, what are they calling it, the Commissioner's Cup potentially, the in-season oh, yeah, yeah. tournament style thing. Um, I think that's very interesting because what they're talking about is not adding any games to the season, but taking a a chunk of games and saying, okay, we're going to, you know, these games are going to count toward your regular season record and they're going to count towards this in-season tournament that every team is involved in. Um, And then the winners get, you know, money or I'm not exactly sure if they've decided what the reward would be. I don't think um, they have. But I saw something with Mark Cuban saying he doesn't like the idea. And he would just sit guys. He would play a lot of his bench guys in those um, in those in-season tournament games just to kind of get it over with, get out of it, and get back to focusing on the regular season. Um, so I'm thinking about something. If we were to do something like that, Say Chris Paul still is on the roster. Maybe we say, okay, any game that's going towards this Commissioner's Cup, we're going to run with our backup point guards. Don't even worry about this, Chris. Just focus on solely regular season games. But that's tricky because those in-season tournament games are going to count towards regular season records. Sure. And, you know, when they said like they don't know what the rewards would be yet, 
And like, yeah, if you're paying cash, I'm sure those guys wouldn't mind a bonus of what, 500K, a million, whatever it would be. But I think it has to hold something for the team. Yeah. To make guys want to actually play. Like, uh, it doesn't make sense how the playoffs are set up, but like a home court advantage to the winner, or maybe like a, I don't know what you'd actually do, but it seems like if you want to, get the best out of teams in this uh, nearly pointless tournament format. Like right. you have to reward the team somehow and not just the players. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I, I, I want to like the idea of an in-season tournament. I think it could be really cool, but yeah, as of right now, I just don't see very much of an incentive. Um. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, at the end of the day, we need to figure something out with the backup point guard. Uh, so yeah, while the Suns are doing that, we're going to wrap things up for today and move on to our non-sports section of the show. And we just have to talk about the new Game of Thrones show. Um, I think it's technically called House of the Dragon. I call it House of Dragon because I think it's more fun to drop the the. Um, I am one episode behind, so there's four episodes out. I've only seen three. You're all caught up, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. So without too many spoilers or anything, what do you think of the show so far? I have been a huge fan of the show. And I think a lot of it was I've just been kind of jonesing for the Sunday night TV event that I can look forward to. And yeah, football's back and all, but you, you need the drama, the, the real drama. And the show has just been so excellently made. It feels so natural to the, the Song of Ice and Fire world. It, it feels right. And it also just feels especially nice after how Game of Thrones ended. Yeah. Uh, the way that they kind of picked this up and said, like, okay, we're not we're, we're going to hold a little more true to the canon of what's actually going on, which is apparent. So I've been, I've been a huge fan of the show and it's been a joy to watch. Yeah. It's nice that George RR R. Martin is back uh, yes. working with the show. Um, one thing, and this isn't very much of a spoiler. It's literally in the title. I love that there are dragons at the very beginning. I mean, you see the dragon in the first episode. Yeah. Like I like how they just jumped right into it and action-packed first few episodes and i'm told that the fourth episode is like all over the place which the third episode really set that up so i'm excited to watch the fourth one hopefully today um but yeah i've been very happy with it too i think the characters are interesting um friend of the show the man who needs no introduction but gets a really long one anyway josh cranwetter at josh cran on twitter made an interesting point to me. He said, the Game of Thrones world does two things really well. That's action and people sitting at tables. And this show has done both of those things very well so far. That's absolutely true. Uh, they, <laughs> they can make a, you know, a discussion at a table seem so, I don't know. I, I, how, I don't know how I want to put it. Like It's just such a good show. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to talk about it without too many spoilers. But yeah, um, this I, I will say one thing as I won't try to spoil it all, but uh, 
if you thought the show was a little slow paced at the beginning, which maybe some people could have thought that, things are about to pick up. Like yeah. it's it's about to start getting real wild and I don't know how how far they plan on going with this show, but they they could go for seasons and seasons and have so much great content. Yes. I I'm hyped. I saw that after the first episode, they renewed it for a second season already. Yeah, they had 10 million viewers for the opening episode and then yeah. more for the second one, which is right. like more people picked it up and watched the second one than watched the first one and then dropped it. Yeah. So that I don't know if that's normal in the TV world, but that's pretty crazy. It is. I saw a funny video. It was like of some apartment complex where people had the windows open and it, you could see the light of every person's TV change at the same time. Like literally <laughs> everyone was watching. This was, I think it was with the first episode. Everyone was watching it at the same time. So that's saying something like that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, it's crazy. And uh, I don't know if any show in recent memory has that kind of following. I, yeah, I, I, I just don't know. I imagine uh, I'm trying to think of like. Hmm. Breaking Bad wasn't anywhere Breaking near Bad. that. I don't think the it was Sopranos quite. Sopranos had a pretty big following. Uh, Sopranos, I bet, was probably similar, but like. A show like Friends or Seinfeld, I doubt any anyone was that yeah. hyped about it. Yeah, it's just different because of the format, you know, and a once a week, one hour episode that's just like, it's almost like watching a movie. It's like just such, each episode is so epic. Yeah. It's hard to compare to Seinfeld or The Office or whatever. I saw someone post, they said, I watched the first couple episodes of House of the Dragon. Should I read all the books that George Martin wrote? And then someone was like, yes, you absolutely should. Do you not like reading? You should still read it. Uh, yeah. Do yeah. you think that, like, do you not like long books? You should still read this. Uh, do you think you'll be confused by all the characters? You should still read this. I And it's true because uh, I'm trying to talk Natalie into reading it. Yeah. She loves the shows and all, but I, I can't get her to bite in on the the novel series, though. The only thing that held me back is just that the show is very graphic, of course, but the books are more so. It's like they're great. They're really good. But it's not like, oh, sit down and leisurely, leisurely enjoy a book by the pool. Like it's it's not quite like that. Yeah, there are very intense parts. That's that's for sure. But I mean, that's what makes good drama, baby. That's true. No, and I think it's great. I've also heard the the new Lord of the Rings show. I think it's called The Rings of Power. I've heard really good things about that. I haven't watched it yet, but I plan on watching it. I, I'm I'm a little mixed. I'm oh, a little have you mixed. watched it? Yeah, Natalie's okay. actually the big Lord of the Rings fan, so she was okay. more excited for that. Yeah. And uh, I mean. I, I'll admit I'm probably a little bit down on it because I'm comparing it to House of the Dragon Game of sure, Thrones. And that sure. that's tough to beat for any. Yeah. So. It is. Well, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan too. And I have read I haven't read all the books, but I've read most of the books. So uh, I yeah, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan and the movies and everything, so I would I mean I think I'll be pretty high on it. But yeah, House of the Dragon is also just I think it's great that we have two really great high fantasy shows going on right now. For sure. 
All right. That wraps things up for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Like we said at the top of the show, we'll be making the episodes a little more frequent now that we're getting closer to the season. So be looking out for that. Thanks for tuning in and go Suns. Go Suns.